Let's keep calm and mother on. Mothering is way too important to do alone and way too serious to be serious all the time. My name is Christy Thomas, and I am here shoulder to shoulder with you, mothering and enjoying life together. This is the podcast where you can focus on being mindful and taking a deep breath with me and learning new things so you can pause and savor the amazing life you already have. Now let's go. Today's guest, Dr. Megan Owens, is a complete gem. She is a parent that you want to know. She is full of great ideas and kindness and compassion. But before we get to the interview, I want to remind you that if you hear interviews like this and then grab the book after, please finish the book. And if you are having a challenge finishing great books that you find on podcasts, consider joining the Finish the Book community. You can find the link in the show notes. It's where I hold your hand and I walk you through finishing amazing parenting books that you want to read. And we do it really slowly. Over the course of about three months, we read one book and I help you apply that book into small daily actions. So you feel progress. So you can go to bed feeling joyful and excited and remembering all the good parts of mothering that day. Okay, now on to this interview, and it's totally going to line up with everything you want for your kids. I am so excited to host Dr. Megan Owens. She just wrote an amazing book called Spoiled Right. Can you say hi to everyone, Megan? Hi, thank you so much for having me, Christy. I'm so happy to be here. I am so excited that you wrote the book I needed like 10 years ago. (laughs) I'm a little late. I'm sorry. That's okay, because this whole thing with screens just kind of exploded on us. Mm -hmm. And so your book is probably, and I've read a lot of books about screen time. um, Your book, I think, is the most positive book I've read about the screen time problem. Yep. Yeah, I think we really needed a joyful, positive approach to it. Okay, so let's before we dive into your book, let let us learn a little bit about you. So tell yeah. me about your family and why um, screens interest you. Yeah, so I have, um, I'm married, I have two children. McKenna's birthday is today. Congrats! She, yeah, <laughs> she turns nine. Um, and Sullivan is six years old. Um, and they're just the most interesting people I know, of course. That's the way every parent feels. Um, I became really interested in screen time around the time when McKenna was born. I was, I'm a psychologist, um, and so I was aware of the research of why you were supposed to avoid screens, sort of, until age two, but it wasn't my um, specific focus. And then McKenna had some health issues, and we had to give her medication that was not easy to give to her for, for an infant. Um, and we used screens a little bit during that time frame, And it was amazing how much it would turn her from, you know, this like <laughs> passionate little baby who had her things that she wanted and didn't want into this, you know, zombie little baby who would let us do whatever we wanted to mm-hmm. her. Um, and that I didn't, we didn't like the effect that it had on her. So we stopped using it even to give her medication and I started to dig into it more and it's just become more and more interesting as screens over the past 10 years have become more and more a part of kids' lives. 
Yeah, they're everywhere. I remember at one point when I was, I don't even know if they still exist, but it was a trend for a while that you could pay for the fancy grocery cart that would have a movie in the bottom. Oh, my God. Not good. (laughs) Not good for the kids. They they need to see what's going on in the grocery store. Yeah, yesterday we went to the dentist, and when they got into the dental chair, the screen is, like, right in front of them, bright, big, already queued onto the cartoons. And I asked them to turn it off because there's just so much learning to go on at the dentist, you know, and they learn to, like, what doesn't feel good and what feels good, and they get the feedback on how they're brushing and you know, my daughter said it was so interesting talking to the hygienist, probably because we don't talk to anybody. We haven't talked to anybody different. <laughs> right. You know? So much. Like, Everyone is a curiosity right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that's right. I, I always think that the dentist and going to the doctors, places like that are like the safest spots for my kid to practice advocating for themselves. Mm-hmm. Because those people are supposed to listen and pause. And, and usually I'm right there next to them to make sure that they do listen and, yeah. and help my kids speak up for themselves. So. Ah, so you have kids and you yeah. figured, you learned through need that TV helped give medicine, but then you didn't like it. Right. Yeah, I just, we, we weren't comfortable, I would say. We were kind of disquieted by the effect that it had on her. And we would only use it, you know, for like two minutes. She had this medication when she was an infant that had to dissolve in her mouth. Oh, yeah, that's hard. Yeah, it wasn't like you could just shoot the syringe in and try to (laughs) coax them into swallowing. Like she really had to hold it in her mouth and let it dissolve. Um, And so we would use it at first during, you know, that, that medication time. And then she would was even more upset when we would turn it off. And this was just two minutes. And so that got me really interested to kind of dig in about what was happening brain development wise and what the research was able to tell us and what it wasn't able to tell us. Um, And then it's just been a whirlwind 10 years of constant media attention on like, this is, you know, screen time is fine. We have no rules. (laughs) Screen time is horrible. It's going to make your kid a serial killer. I mean, like, it's just like, it's such whiplash about the screen time. Everywhere. Yeah. Uh, Exhausting. And I feel like it's really distracting from what the real issue is. You know, that parents actually don't need to follow every single one of those studies. They can focus on the things that really matter because they are the things that really mattered before screen time even existed. Absolutely. So when parents want to fill their days, Most of us don't start by thinking, oh, I'm going to let my kid play video games for hours. Like when you think about the things that you want to do that make memories, it's usually like, let's read books, let's go outside, let's play a game, which is what your book focuses on. You have an acronym. You say we should spoil our kids. What does that mean? Because I love it. (laughs) Can you explain it? Yeah. So, um, I am. I started before I got into screen time. I was trained as a goal scientist, and so oh. all my research was on different types of goals um, and the activities that people engaged in to reach certain goals and how those goals were associated with well-being. And so, limiting screen time is an avoidance goal. It's like dieting. Like I'm not going to eat donuts, right? So it's something that I'm going to avoid. And avoidance goals are associated with negative affect reduced goal pursuit, like they just, they don't feel good. They use our limited willpower, you know, it's, it's. They're, they're exhausting. Yeah. Yeah. They're super. And so parents have that like, ugh, exhausted feel about the limiting of, of screen time totals. Um, and so positive goals are things that we're moving towards. Those are things that we want to do more of, or we want to be more of, and they're associated with positive affect, 
They're associated with increased um, goal persistence, like we keep going, we want to keep trying. Um, and research has shown if you take the same problem and you apply negative versus positive goals, you're going to be more successful with positive goals. And so that combined with the fact that part of the problem with children's screen time is that it's displacing all of these activities of childhood that are really important um, led me to develop this acronym, the SPOIL system. Um, and so SPOIL stands for five categories that are inversely associated with screen time. That means the more time your kid spends doing these things, the less time they're likely to spend on screens. Um, and all of them also have the neg the opposite effect of screen time. So like if you're worried that your kid is sedentary and having sleep problems because of too many screens, these five activities have the opposite effect on weight um, and sleep quality. So the S stands for social activities. Okay. Um, playing board games, playing tag with your kids, your kids playing with one another. The P stands for play, free play. You know, anytime your kid can get really involved in playing a game that is for no other reason than just enjoyment. Mm -hmm. right? um, o is for outdoor time. I is for independent work like chores or homework. Yep. And L is for literacy-based activities. Um, and so some of the negative associations we see with screen time is just because they're taking away time from those things, right? And so Absolutely. time outdoors is so important for development. And perhaps screen time is having this negative impact on attention or on sleep just because it's taking away from time outdoors. Right. Just because it's crowding it out. And exactly. when parents, I've heard this from myself or from other people, when they try the reducing approach of screen time and just focus on that, then... I've heard that, like, I feel like a police officer, like all these negative phrases about just feeling like they're running a tight ship and the parents aren't enjoying it either. No, no one enjoys it. <laughs> <laughs> no one enjoys it. And it's probably not effective. And that's why they keep talking about it to a degree, because it's, you know, the many of the children's applications programs are designed persuasively to increase the child's time spent on the device. Um, you know, in an effort to increase ad revenue, those sorts of things. Yeah. And so you're really like fighting against something that's designed really well to make them want to do it more. And, um, and, and for ourselves, right? Like, I yes. think that when I read your book, the part I liked about it was that it was easy for me to apply the spoil system to my day as well, and not yeah. just my kids. Like it was going to be like a whole family shift of things versus like mom doing another project to to try to balance life out. Yes, that's so true. And that you're touching on, Christy, another type of goal that is more successful. So some goals we have that are individual, you know, like um, you're going to run every day, right? <laughs> yep. So like that's like an individual goal. You you sort of need some family support in it, but right. you, you can do it in Mostly can do it all the time. Yep. Yeah. Whereas a shared goal is something we're going to work on together. And screen time has always been thought of as an individual goal. Like I'm going to do this to my kids versus a shared as a family. We're going to try to spend a thousand hours outside or as a family, we're going to institute a family board game night or something like that, yeah. um, which feels really different for the kids. I think it's totally different when it's like I'm doing this too. Like I know this is uncomfortable. I'd rather think about this initially until we get over the new pattern. Yeah, 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 yeah. And my husband one time, we had a whole lot to do and I went down to the basement and he was playing the drums and I was like giving him a hard time. I'm like, this is, a, we have to do this, we have to do this, we have to do this, and you're playing the drums. And he's like, 
haven't you ever heard of this thing called the spoil system? You know, free play <laughs> is super important. So like it is true, you know, I it's designed with kids in mind, but it applies to teenagers, it applies to adults. Like these are things that are just good for our well-being. Yeah, because the the hooks of screens they're designed, some are totally designed for kids, but there are other hooks that are trying to hook us as adults yeah, all day long absolutely. too. Absolutely. So as I was reading about um, play, there was a lot about play and creativity. Can you talk a little bit about why um, play is connected to creativity? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So Play is, you know, something that children will spend a majority of time doing. Once they get started, they need enough time and space to do it. So Mm -hmm. often before children get really involved in, you know, elaborate pretend play, they might feel a little bored or they might mention they feel a little bored um, because it takes some time for our brain to get up and running. Creativity is like a muscle. It needs some practice. And so if they haven't had enough time to play or to direct their day, it might take them a little bit longer. Um, but in play, you're talking about a child creating the rules for the game. You're talking about them creating the characters, the scenario, you know, the, the who the other incidental characters are. I yeah. mean, that is story writing. That is playwriting. That is all creativity. Um, my daughter, and my son play a game where they have these two different characters that they are. And somebody asked them, what is this game? And they were like, it's just we do a lot of stuff in it. They can't explain it because there's literally a grandmother. There's like all these characters. It's basically a whole fake world. It is. And they play it all the time. A very Um, rich environment for them. Yeah, and that's different than um, playing soccer. When I say play, I don't mean something where the rules are designed and the kids come in. Those those activities are valuable too. Um, and I don't mean playing video games because playing video games, somebody else designed it. And yeah. I, and I might have fun in it, but I'm not designing it. When kids are truly playing, and they'll know, you know, they yeah. tell you they're playing, they've designed the whole thing. Absolutely. And and when they're doing that, they're working on that executive function of being able to wait working on negotiation skills, like you said in your book about boardroom practice for (laughs) being out there. And when I was reading about this, you also mentioned how younger kids jump into play more readily sometimes, but the older the kids are, the more time they spend in planning play. Yep. So older children spend almost twice as long when they have time to play with their peers. They spend almost an equal amount of time to the actual play negotiating the play so like how what are the rules going to be and they might do this with um like pick up games of basketball or pick up games you know like of capture the flag like this is the way we're going to play and though that's not fair and this kid is younger and this kid is faster and so all of that is intense i mean like you can see it's intense yeah and you can see like a boardroom in suits right like like they're having like this very intense negotiation that looks a lot like adult work during that time frame Um, And that's why, as you say, play is associated with executive functioning, all those things we want our kids to have, like impulse control, sustained attention, you know, the ability to multi-step problem solve. They are practicing that in play. Um, And that's why preschool programs that emphasize play actually are preparing children for school better than preschool programs that really are trying to emphasize like, quote unquote, seat work. Yeah, that early academic push. Right. Right. So it's so interesting as I read this, because um, the last year in the pandemic, we have like this pod of six, these three families. So my three kids and three other kids. And my driveway is now a micro nation officially registered. 
Um, so the kids that are playing are 14 down to eight, and they've wrote a constitution, they have a banking system, they've held elections. And so as I was reading this about all the time that older kids take to plan their play, um, it I had to text it to the other moms because it has spent hours like in this negotiations, even when they're not outside in my driveway, planning this this city, Thomasville. Yes, and so some parents see that and they're like, would you just get started? Like, would you, it's fine, Janie will be the banker, let it go. And they don't realize like, this is actually the, the part of play that's really, really good. Like they don't, they are started. They don't need to get started. This is play for them. And what's so cool about your group is this multi-age, um, that when children play in multi-age groups, there's less competition because they kind of naturally adjust yeah. for the strengths and, and challenges of differently aged children. Um, and that's just so neat. I'm so happy that they have that. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah, no, it's been amazing. They've made commercials for each other. Like, it's just been an endless thing. And I was like, it, sometimes it doesn't look very fun from the outside because of all the planning. I was like, I wonder, are they actually enjoying it? So when I was reading your book, I was like, score, they're outside. It's social. It's all this play. Um, and for a lot of it, it's it's independent work, too, because they're like coming up with machines to sell to other people so they can have more fake money. Um, yeah, it's all this stuff. And I'm just um, so excited to have read what I read in your book about it. Yeah, yeah. And there are those activities where you hit almost all five categories, right? Like they're outside playing, they're with other kids. So that's social. Um, you know, it's free play, it's kind of feels like independent work, that maybe accomplishing something. <laughs> uh -huh, yeah, kids involve literacy or storytelling yep. in their game. Um, and so they're doing everything they're supposed to do. And those are the things that are associated with positive physical development, psychological development, academic achievement. I mean, like they really, kids know what they need. Yeah. Um, if we can kind of give them the space for it. But also, I think it was interesting how in the play chapter, you said that if a mom is involved initially in play or a parent like starts the play, that the play session lasts longer. Yeah, there's something about, and we were just talking about that before. Yeah, um, before we hit record. Yeah. Yeah. Tracy was outside playing tag with her kids, and I was so excited about that. <laughs> and I do that too throughout my day, like take a little break, um, and you get started with them. And so I think there's there's multiple things to that. So that's a research finding. We don't maybe know why, but we can guess that one, I think our attention says this is a valuable thing, right? So mm -hmm. the fact that we're here and we're paying attention and we're plugged in for a period of time, they're like, this is a, you know, mom or dad or whoever thinks this is a good thing that I'm doing and yeah. they stay involved in it. Um, and we kind of scaffold it probably a little bit when we're there in the beginning and they get started and then they no longer need our help once that ball is rolling. Absolutely. And if you need to get something done, I have found that it is way easier to start your kids and play and then mm -hmm. back away versus having them come keep asking you questions. They're like, yeah. mom, mom, mom. <laughs> like if I, if you just start with that investment, um, you're able to have your independent work time usually that you need too. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I, another thing that I think is interesting about that, Christy, is that so some of the negative associations with screen time. So people have thought, well, maybe screens have this negative effect on attention or on language acquisition because the screen is the content is bad. Mm -hmm. so we need to create like better programs or parents need to watch and play with their kids. Um, and those are valuable ideas. 
but we give them so much attention where we're saying to the parents like, oh, your kid is constantly wants to be on the screen. Watch it with them. Play it with them, um, which there's some value to that. But right. Also, Co-watching not- can be. Yeah, but there's also value to the idea of like, if you value playing with your kids outside as a family, you might want to put the time in there too. So, you know, because what we spend time doing with our kids, if we're trying to reduce screen time, then we're spending more time with them on the screens because that's what experts have suggested to us. It might have the opposite effect. We walk away and they stay with the game versus if we would have um, spent that time reading with them or playing with them outside, they might be sticking with that activity a little bit longer. That is such an interesting thought for someone to think about because, yeah, it is pushed all the co-watching and co-playing or participating in video games like. Right. But that it might give your stamp of approval of something like and validate it more is an interesting twist. Right. And I'm I'm cautious when I say that because it it is valuable. I mean, if your child is of an age where it's appropriate for them to have a certain amount of media, it makes sense for you to pay attention to what they're doing with it and sometimes watch the program with them so you can discuss it. But I remember this so, you know, it's just so prominent in my mind. My daughter was two. We had kept her screen free beyond that little mm-hmm. medication thing until she was two. And after she turned two, because the whole time my husband was like, it would be so much easier if we just gave her a screen, you know, <laughs> like everybody else does this. This is why it's so hard. Cause she was kind of a demanding baby, my first one. <laughs> and so then she turned two and he was like, oh, I don't think we should do that. You know, like, I don't think that, I don't think anything's different now that she's two and, and one day. And that was when the recommendations changed to, which is what they are currently that you can have your two to five year old engaged with one hour of media a day, but it yep. should be co-viewed or co-watched. Yep co-played you should do it with them and he was like we looked at that and he's like well if I'm going to do something with her for an hour it's going to be something like I want her to do more of not something that I am going to turn off and she can't do anymore after I leave so like I'm going to read to her I'm going to play with her um, or I'm going to take her outside so that you know I can spend that time in something that I value right you want to enjoy the time with your kids right no one wants to parent from a place of dread <laughs> no, it should be fun. It should be fun. Right? Yeah. Like we want to enjoy our kids. And I, I mean, I think that's why most of us have kids, right? Is that we we look at these amazing options, these amazing kids, and we're like, wow, it would be so fun to have one of those. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, um it down to exactly what it is like that looks like fun it does um one of my daughters loves the band 21 pilots and his daughter tyler joseph's daughter just turned one and his photo for that was like i've owned a baby for one year it's been so fun (laughs) and it made us all laugh (laughs) enjoying that um caption and photo together because i do have a 14 year old so we are like navigating all those things. It's going to happen. She's going to be introduced to the world of media um, and social media and things. So it's all about still as a family, how do we build a culture that values more than that? Yes. Yep. And that matters. And research shows that that matters, that when the family spends, you know, a lot of time outdoors or playing together or having meals together or reading together, that that's protective of problematic media habits. Because absolutely, by age 14, they're going to be using it for quite a few different things. Um, and, we're, and then it's not about avoiding, it's about, you know, making sure that it's healthy use. Right. 
And at what point is there a shift that naturally happens for families or is this just a cultural thing that's happening? Like, is there an age that research says? Is this above your <laughs> category or? No, no, no. So, I mean, there is the American Academy of Pediatrics statement is based on research, um, which shows that prior to age two, outside of video chatting, it's not helpful. Um, and it might be harmful, right? And yeah. then from age two to five, that kids can learn from screens, but they really seem to need a mentor there. So yep. if the kid is three and they're going to be engaged with screens, they really need mom, dad, big sister there to explain to them what's happening. Otherwise, they can watch a program and come away with the exact opposite. <laughs> yep. um, you know, they believe they're supposed to bully somebody in the a, episode that was about anti-bullying or things like that. So they have trouble connecting it. Uh -huh. um, and then beyond five, AAP says to make a family media plan. Um, part of the reasoning for that is there is research that shows, for example, for your daughter for age 14, you can't just say, well, we're not going to have screens. Those are too problematic. Those kids who have <laughs> really limited screen time when they're teenagers, they're not doing very well. Um, yeah. And then the kids who have a moderate amount, they're doing the best. And then the kids who have a lot, it's sort of this U-shaped curve. The kids uh -huh. who have a lot are doing poorly as well. So none and too much is a problem. And so you have to walk this middle path with, with teenagers where you're mentoring them with the media and you're also showing them, you're also mentoring them with all the other good stuff that doesn't involve a screen. Right. Making sure that just life is exciting. You have things to watch out for if kids are already involved in media usage, yeah. right? What should yeah. a parent be looking out for to think about if they need to add more social play, more outdoor time, more literacy and independent work? Right. So there uh, is a challenge with kind of giving an hour recommendation for kids that are older because some kids who are on the low end of the recommendation seem to have a problem with the amount of media that they have. And some kids who are at the high end are doing just fine. Mm -hmm. And so there is something about the child's individual temperament and personality that can, um, you know, that is interacting with the screen yep. time. And so you have to pay close attention to your kid. Um, and there's research that shows problematic media habits. You wanna look at symptoms like, is the what they're doing on a screen the only thing they really wanna talk about? Are they really preoccupied with it? Um, are they wanting more and more, almost like a tolerance thing, like they need more and more time on TikTok or whatever it is, mm -hmm. the platform they're using every day? Um, are they sneaking it? So do you have certain rules in the house and you find that they're often, you know, trying to do something with the router, right. get, the, get the devices out of their home or whatever? Um, are they, are you engaging in a lot of conflicts as a family about it? That all indicates that this is problematic for that child and you maybe need to back off and try to restart, um, you know, by looking at what other things they can do that are going to be fun for them. You know, if they start feeling like that's the only thing that's fun, um, then that's obviously a problem. You know, if, if a kid thinks anything is the only thing Things that's fun. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Then that then that's a problem. And of course, kids develop passions, but yeah. you know, you want to see that they can also enjoy themselves in other situations. Absolutely. Well, this is such a big topic. I really think everyone should grab your book, Spoiled Right. Um, they can find it on Amazon, right? Or yeah, anywhere yeah. else? Yep. They can find it Barnes and Nobles, Amazon, all places you buy books. Excellent. It is um it is a pretty meaty book. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to, I want to give this disclaimer. It is a great book, but it is a kind of meaty book. So if you're, I would recommend how I did it is I read one chapter a week and then really kind of like soaked it in for that topic. And I didn't rush myself reading it. Yeah. Yeah. And there's for each, there's a chapter for each of the spoil categories and it ends with like 25 ideas for that category. And so I've even talked with families about doing one chapter a month and like really focusing like this is the month for play or this is the month for outdoor. And you're reading when you read all the research in one of the spoil chapters on play or outdoor independent work, Mm -hmm. you can't help but spend more time doing that activity. Like even when I was writing it and I know the research, I'm like, we need to play more. (laughs) Right. I have dragged my big kids to the playground multiple days this week. (laughs) Um, I went and honked at our neighbor's doors and I was like, come on, all the kids are going, hop in my car. We're going. Yeah, yeah. So it, you so you can really slow it down that way. And then you have all these ideas you can try and then you move on to the next one. Yeah. And after several months, you have sort of some new family habits developed in terms of what you find to be fun. And I love that it's okay to go that slow with it. Yeah. That it's not, this isn't an overnight problem we're going to fix as a society or in our house. Right. Um, or even with our own use. If you're right. reading this and you're like, ah, how can I ask my kids to do this if I'm not doing these sort of things? Right. So I appreciate all the ideas you have in here. There, yeah, there's a lot. You're right. Every chapter has multiple lists in them of ideas right. to do. Yeah, yeah. And because those activities have the opposite effect. So for example, take going outside. Some of the things that we know about screens is that they have this complicated relationship with attention that the more time kids are spending with screens, the more symptoms of inattention they're exhibiting. Well, being outside, there's this whole theory called attention restoration uh, therapy, because when children spend time outside, they actually have increased ability to focus and pay attention. And you can do that with just about every one of the negative associations with screen time and with being outside or with play or these other activities. And so if your kid is spending enough time doing those things, then if they have screen time, you know that it's not, these things are already counteracting any of the potential negative side effects of screens. You don't have to worry so much about the time limits of of screens because you filled their day with these things that, you know, that they're not getting displaced by the screens and they're counteracting the negative effects you might experience from screens. Well, that is a new word for me. So now I have to go write it down. So you said time outside is attention restoration? Yeah, there's this whole theory called attention restoration theory, meaning that the soft fascination in nature, um, it doesn't, it's not demanding of our attention, but it's sort of, you know, think of like clouds passing through in the sky, yeah, that sort of thing, that that um, restores our attention reservoirs. And they've done research studies with kids where they take them outside and they give them the same lessons or they give them time outside versus time in the gym. And then they ask them to do, you know, tasks that require sustained attention and the children do better outdoors or if they have just been outdoors Um, because it allows think about you know that versus like when you're sitting at your desk and like I hear my my email dinged I'm sorry because I didn't turn it off it's okay it's a good example (laughs) all the time and so your attention is constantly being sort of pulled and split and being outside is opposite of that right now wow that is so neat I, that is, that is a golden nugget just for someone right there. Yeah. 
especially if they're at home with their kids right now doing virtual learning or homeschooling and feeling trapped from the closed in bubble of socialization that going outside can just help a lot for everyone. Yeah, we just shared another research study. So we, uh, my husband and I run a blog called Screen Free Parenting. So a lot of the things that we talk about, you can get in the book and you can also find more information about them on the website. But we just shared an article um, that showed that teens who have more time outdoors are doing better psychologically, mental health wise during the pandemic. So if they already had these habits of being a runner or being a hiker or somebody who goes for walks with their family or whatever, those kids um, are have been somewhat protected from some of the depression, the anxiety, those sorts of things that teens are experiencing at heightened rates during the pandemic. So it's just, I mean, it, it is as close <laughs> as we can get to like a total side effect free um, solution <laughs> to a lot of the things that ail us is yeah. going outside, both us and our kids. Absolutely. Early on in the pandemic, I um, was talking to two of my best friends that also homeschool. And I was like, I think I'm going to can it all for a little bit. And we just need to spend hours outside right now as much as we can. Like the algebra can pause even for her. Like it doesn't matter (laughs) because no one's taking it in right now. We need to spend more time outside doing something that feels better. That's so smart that that like parental intuition is so spot on because when we're stressed, we can't learn. Yeah. Right. And being outside also has been shown to reduce (laughs) stress levels in both kids, teens and adults. Um, And so that's so spot on. Like we can't learn if if we're stressed and especially for teens who have, you know, more awareness. My Mm -hmm. kids have limited awareness of the pandemic. Some, you know, they get they have to wear masks, but they don't. Right. Totally understand it. But teens do. And so they may experience more stress related to it. And they need that time outdoors, that that soft fascination, that physical activity, all of those sorts of things. I'm a pandemic induced homeschooler and I love it. We're never going to go back. (laughs) Welcome to the club. I am a military induced homeschooler. I never thought we'd homeschool until my husband kept staying in the Navy and we moved too much. So. Yeah, there we, well, go. we did it because the pandemic was, you know, we started this year and it was like, you want my five, he was then five. Yeah. Kindergarten. I'm like, you want my five-year-old to do what? For how many hours <laughs> in front of the computer? Are you kidding? That is so Ugh. dumb. Just dumb. I'm sorry. I don't have a more advanced term to say, but you yeah. know, like four hours for a kindergartner to learn ABC and one through 20 yeah. in front of a screen every day. There is no, no standard of learning that requires that much time. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we decided to homeschool this year and both our kids are like, this is amazing. We had a conversation <laughs> recently where we asked them, would you want to go back to regular school next year? And they're like, when would we play? <laughs> Cause they recognize how much time they had that, you know, they have the same academic, um, right trigger in a way, yeah. you know, uh, but they have, there's so much less wasted time. So they have a lot more time in the afternoon to play, which they love. And, you know, I recognize is super important for them. And, and you mentioned this in your book, there was one other story where you wanted, you were on vacation and you wanted to go to the beach, I think, and yes. you found them playing. And so you didn't yes. interrupt them. Yeah. So we went to Orlando. My husband had a conference and we were on our way to Orlando and he went to the conference for the day. And I was like, let's go out and go to the, there was like a fake beach at the resort and a pool Uh and like a splash pad. And I'm like, let's go, let's go. The previous day had been super stressful on the plane. My 
son had thrown up a bunch because he was sick, but just from like flying and eating too much. My daughter, we get off the plane and she was like, do all kids, do all toddlers do that? And I said, do what? And she's like, you know, throw up repeatedly. (laughs) That is so hard. I've had the airplane throw up experience and it is something that takes play to work out for sure. Yeah. And, and the people around us were not, you know, they, they looked at us like we were ground zero for a new infectious disease. Like they did not let us get off first. They were fleeing away from us. But, um, so then we got there and I'm getting ready to go. And the two of them are in a closet in the hotel room and they have like all the stuff laid out and they're pretending that they're flying and they're doing all sorts of things. And I'm like, Oh, this is, this is actually what we're going to do today. So, um, and they played the whole day. And I'm a big fan of, you know, if your kids are playing, especially together cooperatively, do not interrupt them, right? If you, if do you not can. interrupt them. If it's possible, yeah. yeah. yeah there have been numerous them. stories. So it's always exciting given that my youngest is eight and my oldest is 14. So I've got 14, 13, and eight. But when all of them are playing together, like the school day won't start on time. If they're engaged mm-hmm. in play before that, like... That moment is so fleeting now of yeah. when all three of them are going to be playing together <laughs> that I'm like, okay, hands off. Like, this is more important. The sibling bonding, this play, all of the skills are there. Yeah. And there's some research that shows that too, like a joyful approach to siblings that what might matter the most in the sibling relationship is their positive experiences to their negative experiences, like the ratio. So you're not going to get rid of the negative experiences. They're going to have conflicts, right? But if you can just make space for the positive experiences, so right, if they're getting along, like let them keep building that up in their bank, all those positive feelings they have towards one another while they're playing. I think that is overall your whole message, build up the positive experiences. Yeah. And then worry less about the negative ones and don't worry about looking at every new study that comes out that shows, you know, this program is bad and this program is good or whatever it might be. Yeah. Be the expert by building up the positive. Yes. Yes. Excellent. So Megan, how are you taking care of yourself in this crazy pandemic, homeschool, doing all the things, writing a book? What is your self-care tip for another mom? I like to get outside and really savor, meaning like I can go on a walk or I can go in my backyard. It can take me a few seconds and take a few deep breaths, like you say, Christy, and then um, really look at something, like really look at it and experience it with all five senses. So if it's the sun, if it's a tree, if it's, you know, right now we're in Pennsylvania, so some buds that tell us spring is coming and winter is over, like really try to grab it in almost like I'm taking a picture of it. Um, and that is really restorative for me. I'm also an everyday runner. So that's the first thing that I do every day. And if I don't, I would, I would probably be pretty moody. It is. Yeah. On days that I can't do it right early in the morning, it's a whole different Christy until I, until I run. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I need a mug, all those mugs that say like, don't talk to me till I have my coffee. I need one that says, don't talk to me till I have my run. (laughs) Same, (laughs) same. It is a different person before and after that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, how are you playing as a family? You have lots of ideas, but in your book, but how are you actually doing it? What's something that's having fun right now? Um, Okay, I have so many. I love playing with my kids. So right now, their favorite game is to play Monsty Mom, which is super lazy as the mom. It's so easy and fun and super active for the kids. So I hide in the yard 
and they run around circles around the whole house. So like I just like hide around one corner and they don't know which corner I'm going to be in. And they are running like, oh, where's she going to be? And then I jump out and yell. And then they keep running. So they're looping the house and I just move to a different spot. I've actually read a book while I've done it. That is fantastic. You're, you're just waiting and they love it. That sounds so fun. <laughs> All those games that get like that chasing sort of game. It doesn't yeah. matter how old they are. Like today yeah. I made a charcuterie tray and I joked that there was an electric fence around it. So no one could touch it until we were all ready. And of course yeah. they all touched it, right? So then I had to like run around going zap, zap and like yeah. try to get them. And everyone, I, I had to chase them on this one. But yeah. Yeah. And they love it. Yeah, we did. We also just did um, like field day Ooh. because we're homeschooling this yeah. year. And that my husband and I were like, what was our favorite thing about school? You know, trying to think like, how do we infuse yeah. that into the school day? And we're like, he's like, one of my favorite things was field day. So we did a whole field day with potato sack races and three legged races and running with an egg on a spoon and holding an orange in your neck and um, oh, running and having to dress in clothes Ooh. and then running back like an, like an adult. Yeah. And um, it was so everybody had so much fun. That that is a whole experience right there. That's a memory of a lifetime, even if you only did it once. Like, yeah, you don't have to repeat some things for them to be cemented in. Yeah. Yeah. It was so. And of course, they've done it then since then. So mm-hmm. we put in the time, played it with them. And now we notice they're playing it on their own. They don't quite have enough you know, participants, but they just make do. Oh, you yeah. Know? They like pretend there's another participant there. It's irrelevant to them. And they're like, oh, yeah, Johnny and Julie are slower than us in the three-legged race. They're not as good. You know, <laughs> they, they have a great time, and they've played those things since then. Way to plant the seed. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. So where can people find you best online, Megan? Yeah, so ScreenFreeParenting.com is our blog. We do um, a twice-monthly newsletter. Um, we're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all at Screen Free Parenting. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for today. And I can't wait for more people to add in and spoil their kids. Yeah, thank you. This was so fun to talk to you. <laughs> thank you. I think the most important part of the screen time conversation is how we as adults, as moms, are modeling usage and being the type of person we hope our kids to be. So as you listen to this episode, I hope that you're rejuvenated by the simplicity of the spoil method and try it in your daily life and then loop your kids in. So think with me for a second, how can you have some more social time? How can you play more? How can you go outside every day? Do some independent work. You're the mom, so I know you have that. And then literacy. Are you reading for fun in front of your kids? Just think about those things before you reach for your phone. It's really made a big difference for me. Now, please don't forget that you always have the chance to leave a rating and review. And if you've left a rating and review before, you can write a new one and say that you're writing it about this episode or whatever episode you're listening to. That would help so very much because it lets other people know that this is worth their time. 
you are exactly the right mom for your kids, and I am so glad that you're here today. I'm so lucky to know you. Have an amazing day.